Good evening and welcome to Night Colors Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your hostess, Lauren Smith. And tonight you guys get to deal with my glasses and the whole glare thing going on because um, allergies in Oklahoma suck. So just want to get that out of the way. Um, before we get into it with Chris Spencer, I wanted to ask that you please show that hardworking Night Callers crew some love by giving me a thumbs up on whatever platform you're using to listen to this show. And don't forget to subscribe and ring that notification bell so that you don't miss all the new stuff that I put out. Also, you guys can go to nightcallersproductions.com for all of the content I put out as well as my affiliates and other projects that I have going on. Um, and you can see everything that they have going on as well. Uh, we have quite a bit going on throughout Nightcaller's Productions. You guys don't want to miss it. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and bring Chris on now. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hi, Lauren. How are you doing? Fabulous. Fabulous. How is the weather where you are? Uh, nice today. It's been a kind of a heat wave up here. It's a little dry, but uh, we only went into the 80s today. It's the 80s <laughs> yeah it's it's been pretty much in the 90s for uh, two weeks oh or plus we've had a couple triple triple digit days last week so oh man that's pretty rare for you guys huh yeah i mean for this long usually in the in august we do get this kind of weather but we've had this kind of weather since june which yeah. that's unusual right are you guys being affected by the fires at all not so much Washington, but more Oregon. We're getting smoke from Oregon, but mm -hmm. Washington hasn't been blazing like it did last year. There okay. are fires, but not not as as last year. Right. Well, that's good. Um, I hope that I hope they get it under control soon. You know, just everything I've seen, it's been really sad. Um, okay, so let's just go ahead and get into it. How did you get started on this subject? It's a long story. <laughs> um, well, good. I have time. <laughs> so I've always been interested, just like everybody else. I watched mm -hmm. show with Leonard Nimoy and the Patty when I was a kid. Um, and actually, shortly after that, my parents growing up had a cabin in Packwood, Washington. And most people know in Washington, Packwood is a hot spot for Bigfoot stuff. Um, dad and I were cutting wood. I must've been about six or seven. Uh, we were cutting wood in the springtime and we'd come on a fresh clear cut. And, uh, I was always looking for tracks out the window and there was a trackway down the side of the road It was in mud and there was some slush and stuff. And dad stopped cause you could see packwood down below us and he was taking a picture mm -hmm. and I got out and I ran over to these tracks and they were big footprints with toes. Yeah, I'm so jealous. Do you know how often I have looked for that as a child and as an adult? Well, I honestly, you know, we're talking like 40 some years later. I don't remember exact details of the tracks. I just remember my dad coming over and me saying, look, dad, Bigfoot. And his eyes kind of bulging out and saying, well, that's probably a hunter. I go, well, if he's hunting, he doesn't have shoes on. Oh. And at that point, my dad said, get in the truck. And we left. So my biggest impression at that time was my dad was kind of freaked out about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was actually, I mean, long story short, we went back to the cabin a couple hours later. I was playing with my little plastic army man by the fireplace. And he came over to me after visiting the neighbor. And he's like, 
you know, if you're really worried about those tracks, me and Clarence will go back up there. Tracks or Clarence knows quite a bit about tracks and we can check them out. And I'm like, I'm not worried, dad. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little kid. I was like, I, I'd forgotten about it. I wasn't even thinking yeah. about it. He was still thinking about it. But so that's always been in the back of my mind. And then so on in 1991, I um, started college at WSU and uh, I took uh, Anthropology 101. Uh, I was a humanities major, basically history and anthropology is what right. I was studying. And my teacher was uh, Professor Grover Krantz. And at that point in time, I had no idea who he was. Uh, really wasn't following the Bigfoot subject at all. And uh, I think it was a spring of 92, actually, because his book, uh, Big Footprints, had just come out. And one day, mid through, midway through the semester, I walk into his class, and there's the Gigantopithecus skull. And one of my cats is freaking out. But anyways, <laughs> uh, there's the Gigantopithecus skull, and there's all these cast tracks on his counter. And he basically, he devoted one, um, one lecture each semester to the subject of Sasquatch. And That's he awesome. had, yeah, he had a third, I think it was a third generation copy of the Patterson-Gimlin film. And he spent quite a bit of time breaking that film down and why that was a real animal, in his opinion, and why it wasn't fake. And when I left that class, because at that, at that point I was 19, I'd seen it as like, it could be, could not be, I don't know. And my dad had always said, oh, that's just someone in a monkey suit. When mm -hmm. I left that lecture, I believed it was a real animal. And I went and bought Big Footprints. I actually got him to sign it. And then I actually bought a copy of the Dermals cast um, from the Blue Mountains. I bought a copy of that from him. But yeah, so that's where the subject became more serious for me in that I actually was like, you know what, this is a real scientist and he's shown an interest in this subject. So there's something to it. Um, fast forward life in 2000, 2011, I had kind of a weird experience. I was, uh, I used to competition bass fish and I was fishing Rife Lake, which is famous for really good smallmouth fishing with a buddy in late September. And the South shore is the Gifford Pinchon National Forest butts right up to the south shore and a lot of it's just straight up and down and it's big timber but we were on that shore throwing crankbaits you know just tootling along not going fast we're we're basically going along and hitting creeks and just seeing if we pick anything up anyways i started hearing movement like big animal movement but it's like a single animal just branch breaks and uh my buddy the guy that i was fishing with he uh he didn't believe in Bigfoot or anything like that. And I was like, do you hear that? And followed, I mean, it paralleled us all the way down the shoreline for probably 45 minutes, half hour to 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. We got to this creek mouth and started catching some fish. So we hung around there for a while and I hadn't, you know, hadn't thought about it. And we were probably there for a half an hour, caught a bunch of fish, released them and decided to go somewhere else. And as soon as we sat down and he was going to start up the big motor, there's a wood knock and this was, you know, three or four in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of hit me. And I look, looked at him, he goes, what do you think it's Bigfoot? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, but, yeah, that was like in 2011. And uh, about that time I actually started 
looking at stuff that was online and saw a lot of garbage. <laughs> and uh, around 2013, my son, who was 13 at the time, um, I'd got him a tent, a little kid tent for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to go camping for a spring break. Well, it was not the weather we're having now. It was very cold and wet year. And it was raining, of course, on the west side. And I said, his spring break started um, April 5th. And I'm like, okay, we'll go over the east side. So we jumped on Highway 14 and we ended up in the Skamania County campground. It had opened April 1st. We were the first people there. And at that time, it was really brushy. There's a lot of vine maple um just a lot of shrubs and there's maybe five acres of big timber there and you got highway 14 right there and then you have the columbia river well we set up camp and just started walking along we went down the shore and walked up the shore and we came to a spot where you could see someone had come down from the timber and there was these old very degraded tracks but they're big foot shaped and my kid my kid was like look dad bigfoot ha 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 and i'm, I'm like yeah we walked up where he'd come down and there was another little trail probably 30 yards from the shore that went back to camp and we started walking that and as we're walking that we kind of come around a bend and there's this vine maple that's twist broke i mean twist broke and uh, mm -hmm. i actually have it somewhere i cut it out but twist broke and pushed behind a tree and below it there's an 18 by 9 inch impression in the uh in the pine needles and you could kind of see toes in it and I was like, Are you kidding me? And we end up looking around and we found a couple other um, fir trees where the tops about 12 feet up were just broke off on this trail. We ended up finding another 18 by nine inch impression in the leaf matter leaving the trail. Something heavy had made it. And so we're kind of, that's, that's cool. And okay. got, got the wheel spinning a little bit. And it was, we went off, we ended up going to another area and fished, um, came back to camp, roasted some hot dogs, and it had started kind of sprinkling in his little tent, this is a little kid's tent. I have a picture somewhere that, I mean, we I barely fit in. He fit in it perfect, but it's a two-man tent, but it's like a one-person, um, small-person tent. And right, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't have a rain fly, so I took, I just had these little blue tarps, and I took these tarps, and I tied them up with paracord over the top of it to keep the rain off. Mm -hmm. and uh anyway sorry um there's the wind <laughs> thank you rebecca <laughs> what a hero it doesn't look like much now but it was very fresh at the time yeah but anyways That's uh, cool. we i had that the tarp set up and when it got dark jameson decided to go to bed and he goes in i stayed up for maybe half an hour and i'll be honest i started it was dark we're the only people in the campground and uh, I started thinking about what we found. So I was getting a little nervous and I finally crawled into the tent with him and I, I fell asleep. And sometime after midnight, I woke up to movement and I could hear something moving around the campground and I could hear two somethings. There was, there was more than one. And my first thought was like, did an elk herd come down or something is milling through the camp, but it didn't sound like elk. And then it would, it got quiet. I moved around and it would, it got quiet. And I'm kind of like, well, I'm, I'm telling myself that I'm just hearing stuff. And I, I start drifting off to sleep. And about the time I'm just, you know, you're at the cusp of drifting off. 
something grabs those tarps and pulls on the tarps. And I instantly sat up and just, what the, you know, yeah. cursing and woke my son up. And I just told him, oh, nothing. I had a nightmare or whatever. And he went back to sleep, of course. And I sat there. I was like, did I just hear what I heard? Because it was dead silent. And there was no movement, no nothing after I screamed. So not like something ran into it. The, no. the lines, like something grabbed it. Something grabbed it. and But, you know, I was starting to go through my head again because I was just about asleep when, asleep when it happened. And I was like, mm-hmm. did I really hear that? And I sat there thinking for a little bit. And I, I don't know how much time passed, but I started drifting off again. And But I grabbed the fob to my Jeep. So I had the key fob right, yeah. to get to the panic button. Yeah. <laughs> it happened again. And sure as heck, as soon as I start drifting off again, it happens again. And the time I hit the Jeep button, the horns and lights flash and oh quiet. James I've never Ray- had to hit the button. I've, I've been ready, but I've never had to hit the button. Oh. It works. It works. <laughs> Good to know. Bit. But oh. Jameson, he, of course, you know, I said, oh, I accidentally hit the button. And he goes back to sleep. And uh, I didn't sleep after that. I just laid there and... I had, you know, here's the deal. I started, I was so freaked out. I had my 44 Magnum with me. Mm-hmm. There was no reason. I'm a 40 some odd year old man. I should have been able to get out of the tent, but I was too scared to get out of the dang tent. And I sat there debating with myself for probably hours. And at one point I was just, I started hearing the movement again, but it never got close to the tent like it did before. It was, right. there was movement down by the water because we were fairly close to the river. And then there was movement up above us and it never got close. But every time I'd hear the movement, I mean, I got to a point where I was almost shaking. I was so freaked out and I'm like, get out of the fucking tent, yeah. you know, I'm laying there and Jameson's snoring. Yeah. Well, it was around 4 a.m. Cause I just looked at my, my cell phone and it, it was three something when I looked at it and I'm guessing around four, I'm laying there and all the movement had quit. It was dead quiet. And would knock really right behind our tent and it wasn't like a power knock it was probably i would guess it was maybe 50 yards from the tent but it was a knock and maybe 10 minutes after that i just i knew there's there was no one out there and i got out of the tent and i built up a fire and i sat there till jameson woke up and so after that experience i was like I got. I. I'm actually going to go look for these things. So I hope I didn't ramble. <laughs> no, no, no. You're yeah. doing great. I'm just thinking, like, I, how many times I've seen me do that same thing to where I lay there and I'm like, all right, I need to get up and and I need to look. And then I just keep laying there, and it's just like, it's it's really hard to um. When you're that scared, and and it's like some primitive part of your brain knows exactly what it is and you can sit there and talk yourself out of it like oh it was a deer it was a boar it was whatever a bear but your brain knows what it is and that's why you can't move i just i've i've seen me do it so from there you had that experience you knew what it was like there was very little doubt you can try to talk yourself out of it but you know so from there where did you go so i Started listening to po- a lot more podcasts. Um, I'd heard uh, Shane's um, Crypto Zoologic or something like that. He had a crypto podcast. 
And then I started listening to Monster X and I really liked, I'd heard some other ones. I heard David Ellis on a podcast. I heard Derek on a podcast. So I was instantly drawn to what they were doing and what they're talking about because they're science minded. And um, I started actively going out, looking around. I um, got on the BFR website, would look, look at their public reports. And I did the whole ambulance chasing thing and um, realized really quickly that most of those reports, the, 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 uh, the longitude or lot, the act, exact location is not in those reports because um, yeah. they don't want, you know, they're not going to share exact places. Anyways, right. I started driving all over Skamania County. I actually went back to that campground the next spring and the county had gone through and just gutted it. I mean, they cleared out all the brush, the underbrush at all. I mean, see all the way from end to end. And so I, because I, I thought about maybe if I got there the, when it opened again, maybe I could have it happen again. Because I think what happened, it was such a cold year. I think there was still snow up high that they were down there utilizing that beach. Uh, that was another thing I forgot to mention. I found a lot of freshwater clamshells in mm -hmm. the timber were just open and clean. Mm -hmm. they, they're not by the water like you'd expect for raccoons and birds, ravens and such. You know, I suppose a raven carried those back there, but they were just open and clean. So right. I hypothesize they were down there because the spring and we just haven't been camp there. But went back there, that, that nixed that idea. And then I, I spent a lot of time around the Wind River. And I was coming home, it was... Uh, probably November, November or December of 2014. And that was a really dry year. The mountains, we didn't have any snow. I mean, Mount St. Helens had no snow on it at all. Mm -hmm. Coming over from Carson up um, back, back down uh, towards Cougar. And I'd stopped at a viewpoint. I was looking at St. Helens and I was like, I need to go where the elk are because, <laughs> you know, whatever these things are, they've got to, they're not, just eating plants and um i've always believed they're omnivores and it's like what are you doing dummy why are you running all over the place hiking on these nice groomed trails that everybody's <laughs> hiking on you need to go where the animals are because if you're they're going to be the apex predator in the woods if you're the apex predator you're going to be where the food is mm -hmm. and i i knew an area where the elk like to winter so i started walking in there uh, in 2015, it was February 2015, I hiked down into this one area and found some weird stuff, some quote-unquote stick structures. I don't think they're stick structures now. Uh, right. But, you know, it was enough. The area was goofy enough, and there's so much game in there. There, I mean, the elk were just all over the place. I was like, I'm, I'm going to do what David does and stick out a I started going out every every weekend, got my recorders to where I could get three days and two nights. And I would basically, every when I wasn't working, I was running up there changing out recorders and I was going through audio and wasn't getting anything. And mm -hmm. uh, around, that was in February when I started. And it was, I believe it was the end of April, I got my vicious knock. It was a power knock. And, uh, around May, I, I got some other things, some other things started happening. Um, I would, I spent a, some time moving my recorders around, trying to find the best place to put them. Mm -hmm. 
And if I left one in one area for any amount of time and then moved it or left it in that area for any amount of time, eventually I would get some kind of percussive by that recorder. And I, I'm not kidding. I got one, one night where dead out of dead silence, you hear smack tinkle tinkle through the trees as a rock hit a tree next to my recorder and i wasn't i was hiding them but from people you could still see the light and so i knew something was going on and then in may i got my first whistles i actually heard the whistles in person and they creeped me out yeah (laughs) Uh, and after that you know i i got a couple vocals out of 2015 i got a lot of knocking i got the quite a few whistles um and uh yeah and here i am so (laughs) well i have to say your audio game is on point i mean it is on point um so you went from just ambulance chasing like you said to primitive uh research which you know but now you combined that with audio and you made audio kind of your main focus you're really good at it. Um, the audio uh, data collection and the um, analysis. Um, so just for everybody listening, you can go to Chris's YouTube for that. And I have the link for you. So you can go to his YouTube and he um, films going out and setting up the uh, long-term audio recorders. And then he films going and getting them, changing them out, how he sets up the recorders before he even heads out. And then he does analysis on those as well as webcams. Um, it is a really great YouTube channel for you guys to check out. A lot of great information. I've learned a lot ever since I started watching it. And I have to say the long-term recorders are freaking amazing. Like, they're just, they're amazing. Um, I told uh, Todd Neese, I think, that I was Bigfoot lusting after, Bigfoot researcher lusting after those, like, long-term setups. It was amazing. So, can you tell me a little bit about those? Those, so, up until 2017, I was just taking a Tascam out with an extended battery pack and going out as much as I can. And I'm, I was always trying to, I wanted to get more, you know, and the problem with the Tascam DR-05, which is one of my favorite recorders. I still use them, especially when I go camping. Uh, Great sound and best bang for your buck. But I wanted to get more and focus on nights. And um, I happened to meet Nathaniel Bronis, who lives in Idaho now, but he is very passionate and um, into Therm. Well, he suggested hooking up. He had an idea for a long-term thermal unit he suggested doing that with audio and he introduced me to the Olympus LS7, which has a time record function. Mm-hmm. So you can set it to record a specific time. And I, I personally, I just want dusk to dawn. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to sidetrack, but I don't think our target subjects are completely nocturnal, but I do think they're very much more comfortable making noise at night. Yeah. Um, it's not that I have recorded stuff during the day, but it's very rare so with my long term, I just want to record from the hours of dusk to dawn. And it basically yeah. involves hooking up a 12 volt, 12 amp battery to an audio recorder that has a time record function on it. And mm-hmm. the best I was I'm able to get with what with that particular setup right now, I've gotten like 26 nights before. Generally, especially in the wintertime, uh, wintertime, it's usually 15 to 20 nights. 
but uh, I'm always trying and looking to improve it. But it's it's really kind of a jerry rigged thing. So if battery source doesn't go haywire on me, my mics go haywire on me. If my mics don't go haywire on me, the time record function doesn't go hay it goes haywire on me. There's always something, and I was I was like telling. Sh Todd a couple months ago, I, every time I get three units set up, one of them goes kaput. I'm like, it's like I'm not allowed to have more than two units at a time. And can't say it's... Poor guy. It, well, it works, but it, it's doing the job I want it to, but that's why I actually I laid down some money and bought a recorder that's actually made by professionals to do exactly... Right. SM4 by Wildlife Acoustics. I just got one of those. Well, I'll be I'll be getting more of those as budget allows. Yeah. Um I know that so one of the questions I always get whenever I tell people about your your setups, you know, they're just um I'm gonna go ahead and put this in here. There we go. So one of the questions I get is, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he listens to all that audio. And I try to tell them, you know, he doesn't listen to all that audio. You put it on, I'm guessing, a spectrogram or something like that. So what can you tell me about after you record 28 days worth of audio? How do you review it? So I use two different programs. I use, uh, they're both free. Anyone can download them. One is called Sonic Visualizer. And the other one's called Audacity. And um, I started out because um, I learned from David Ellis how to use Sonic Visualizer. So mm -hmm. I started out using which works great with Tascam because the Tascam I have set up to only record a 28 minute file. So you can just plug that file right in there, put it on Spectrogram and I can do 28 minutes. I can review it in about two or three minutes. Because mm -hmm. And mind you, that's now. But when I first started, I was listening just as much as I was looking and it yeah. took ever because you don't know what you're looking at you got to right. learn and i tell people all the time when you start recording in an area even when i start recording in a new area i do a lot of listening because each area is going to sound different you're going to have different animals um just the acoustics of the area is going to sound different until right. you get comfortable with how that area sounds uh you got to listen a lot of times but now the areas that i'm in i recorded in for a long time i know most of the animals in it so when i visually see something that doesn't match up that's when i start listening but yeah yeah Definitely. and i and uh audacity has a spectrogram too that i actually use a lot now mm -hmm. uh, it's a little more complicated but i like audacity a lot because when you listen to something in audacity you're listening to the actual sound sonic visualizer tends to distort your a little bit so I like having Audacity because that's where I'm going to clip stuff anyways. So I figured I've learned through Monogahela. I think it's called uh, Sasquatch Bioacoustics, his YouTube, mm -hmm. whatever. Watching Monogahela, and I've emailed with him quite a bit, and he's helped me figure out how to use Audacity. I prefer that just because you get the actual sound when you listen to it. Um, and so I use that because my long terms record much bigger files. If I want to yeah. use Sonic Visualizer, I got to cut those files and with Audacity, I can just throw the whole file in and do it, so. Right. No, that, um, 
I just have to, I just have to hand it to you. Audio review and audio analysis is not something that I'm, I love the finished product. I love watching your videos and how you break it down. You're like, hey, this, this, and this, but the, the to get there part, I am not like the biggest fan of it. Um, but my mom, uh, she's in chat right now and she's a huge, she, like, she loves doing that. Like audio is where it's at for her. That's her passion. And so, um, I told her, I was like, you have to be here tonight. I was like, this, this is like your guru right here. So she is in the chat and she will be asking questions. Um, so how do you decide on where you're going to place your setup? That's a good question. Uh, like in X1, I just started placing it near marshes because that's where the animals were, the elk were congregating near these marshes. And, and the marshes in X1, X1's my first recording area where I, I still record, but um, I, I was looking at it on Google Earth and then I hiked the heck out of it and you got freshwater springs coming up, creating these marshes. So I started placing them on old growth stumps that were cut back in the 20s. And I I placed them up about head height and just recorded and tested out what the sound sounded like. And actually, I started having some personal experiences up there. We I got yelled at one morning going in by myself, mm -hmm. which was not fun. And uh, <laughs> I had a couple, couple uh, power knocking experiences with my son where we had at least three different individuals almost surrounding us whacking trees mm -hmm. and so yeah so i i found this one area where that type of stuff was happening that's when i started focusing on that but if i go to a new area i'm i'm looking i'm looking for draws usually i i like to record up close to a ridge line uh, i feel like these guys they're utilizing our creeks and rivers and streams but mm -hmm. i also think they're running the ridge lines and somewhere in between right. that if you because you don't want to record by water. That's going to be a waste of time. So if I have a good water source, like those marshes, or if you mm -hmm. have a good stream or river, get back away from it and look for a nice ridgeline where it's it's a just a predator highway down to that water. And that's kind of where I throw my stuff out. I hope that makes sense. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, everything has to drink. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> you, you got to test drive where you do it. I mean, I'll right. like if, if I'm in a new area, I'll I'll throw out a recorder, and if I don't like what I'm getting, I'll I'll move it somewhere else. And it's mm -hmm. you got to do a lot of hiking and, and get to know the area as well as record in it. And right. eventually, some it'll pop out, something will click, and and you'll find that that perfect recording area. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you found that? Like once you get into an area that's just really putting out good stuff and you're really excited about it, that it just all of a sudden stops and you have to find a new area. Have you found that yet? No, because even when I don't get anything, I still record because that's okay. the way you're going to learn. That's fair. There. <laughs> um, like X1 right now, it's it's silent. And I know why, because logging very close to it. And I think they're actually going to log where I used to record. And I'm, I'm not recording where I used to record just because uh it's going to get logged um mm -hmm. i'm recording very near it and 
there's a lot of uh, activity around there. So it's quiet right now, but I'm still recording because you never know. Um, it's one thing I have found is when you least expect it, you'll get something. Because I, for a while, up until 2018, I was like, oh, yeah, May, uh, late May, early June, I'm going to get stuff in X1. September and October, I'm going to get stuff in X1. They're not there in July or August. Well, that's right. BS because I've in eight, 2018, I got some great whistles in August. I got a really nice, I call it opera singer. It's a very high-pitched uh, howl that ends with a whoop, a really good whoop. Oh, and that wow. was in, in August. And so just because you're not recording suspect stuff doesn't mean they're not passing through. And with X1, I know, I, I generally I know they're, they're on some kind of schedule. And they're not mm -hmm. staying in the area, but they pass through. I might hang out for a week because of those marshes. I know in springtime when the elk are calving, just like the bears and all the other predators, I know they're, they're there because of that. That that's, well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's why they're there. Right. Um, at other times in July and August, the salmon barrier off the hook and there's a ton of bear in there. Well, guess what else is probably going to be in there for those salmon berries. So, mm -hmm. um, I record year round and even if it's, if it's an area that's produced suspect audio, it will produce again. And the only way you're going to get patterns and get to know the best times to be there is to record all the time, even if not getting anything. Right. And le learn the known animals because it, exactly. every, so, every so often a new known animal will show up, something that you never expected will show up in your area, right. which is cool because I, I honestly, I get really excited when I record an owl that I'm not a barred owl. That right. excites me. So. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. Um, just with audio in general, whenever I get other wildlife on there, because it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to learn what's in the area and what is not a Bigfoot. What this sound is not a Bigfoot sound. So, you know, add it to my not a Bigfoot sound collection and I'm good to go. Um, actually, Kip had a question about that. Any areas you're scoping out if X1 is compromised by logging or fire? Uh, well, yeah, I've got two other areas. Obviously, I'm working with Shane in the nest area. That's taking up a lot of my time, which I love because there's really cool things happening there. Um, and then, of course, another area that Kip knows very well. He's been there. Uh, me and Nathaniel Bronis are recording in that area, and it's it's a it's there's some patterns in that area too so i'm you know x1 will always be there and even when they log it because they will they're going to log it i know they are um doesn't mean i won't be recording near it and i know from just experience that five years down the road after the logging's done our target subjects will probably show back up because they're creatures of habit and yeah. um that's just my opinion so Okay. Um, SoCal Squatch. <laughs> I think he only posted this question because he knows I can't pronounce it. So what does Chris think of the... Puyallup screams? Thank you, Chris. Look at that. Yes. What do you think of those? Uh, well, honestly, I think they're coyote. So that's my opinion on that. Just because I've recorded... There's a, there's a, it's kind of a pet peeve with me. There's a 
male coyote location call, but it's also an alarm a warning call. Mm-hmm. And when the coyotes, especially in the springtime, when they got pups, the male will run around and he will scream and bark. But a lot of times he'll just scream and it's a terrifying scream. And I've recorded them doing that for over an hour. Mm-hmm. And that gets mistaken for Bigfoot more than any other vocal, I think, besides barred owl stuff. But that call there, I I hear that call all the time. People saying that's a and no, it's a coyote. I've Sorry. had, I don't know, um, I am overheating, you guys. My AC is out, and I live in the south. So basically, that's on par with the end of the world for me. Um, so yeah, y'all are just going to have to like watch me be Scarlett O'Hara for this entire episode. Um, so the coyote, the locator, I know my mom and I have heard what we think is that, and I would love to be able to send it to you and see if that's what it is. But it yeah, sounded... Totally. It sounded to me like, um, like a Native American, like doing the, you know, the, the scream and it, it was creepy. Um, I know mom and I, we were laying in the tent and we heard it and it was like circling the camp. Mm-hmm. It, it went around our camp and went on, but I would love to send that to you. It was yeah. honest to God, terrifying. And first, of course, we're like, oh my God, Bigfoot. But then later on, when we listened to the audio version instead of our real life version, we realized that it was too high pitched. Yeah. And it'll be repetitive too. And that's a, that's a huge uh, clue when you're getting something that's happening over and over and over mm-hmm. for a long period of time. It's probably not our target subjects. Not to say that they don't they can't be repetitive, but generally my experience is it's one and done. They, they, they vocalize for a specific purpose and then they're done because mm-hmm. they're in yeah. stealth mode all the time. They right. don't make a lot of noise. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. That's why um, a lot of times when I go out with people and they just do a bunch of calls and I'm just like, yeah, y'all aren't going to get a response because that's not what Bigfoot does. We're trying to emulate what they do. And um, that's just kind of a pet peeve of mine is um, I won't say what I call it because it's not very nice, but it's not very nice. And it's one of my biggest pet peeves. I can't stand when people do that. Um, Kip wants to know, Kip, listen, wants to know, what do you think about the Kirk Brandenburg recording from last year? Oh, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite recordings. It's uh, it's something that David Ellis has recorded that's um, in other places. It's something Todd Hale actually recorded up in the nest area. Uh, very similar. It's uh, kind of sing-songy, high-low vocalizations. It's very creepy. Um, and I actually recorded the same vocal three or four months after that in the same area. So mm-hmm. obviously it was... Like, I think we talked about it on a Monster X podcast, but basically this vocal, if it, you know, someone might say, well, a human did it when uh, Kirk recorded it. Well, if that human did it, then they came back uh, four months later and did it again in the wintertime when I was there. So that doesn't mean that there's a lot that goes with that. There, there's a lot that went with it, uh, the Recording that Kirk got, there's a lot more than just that recording happened that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's probably one of my favorites. 
Um, we have we had a question back up here somewhere. We have a question from Tate. While I'm there, he says, does Chris think I'm awesome? <laughs> oh, I barely know, I, I know of him, but I you don't, don't know Tate Hieronymus. I know of him because of mutual friends and stuff, but I don't know him. So Hieronymus Anonymous. I had I Tate on the say show. He was awesome. Tate is an awesome guy. And one of the, uh, funniest interviews I think I've ever done. I, well, between him and Kip in the chat there, I didn't keep a straight face. Um, <laughs> Jamie King had a good question. Oh, hold on. Where'd it go? Okay. He said, do you place uh, on game trails? There we go. Bam. Uh, yeah, actually the next one um, where I recorded a long time, there was, it was like a intersection. There was like three or four game trails that elk were using all the time that, they were going by my recorder where it was placed. So, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. Kevin wanted to know, do you feel that they are more vocal at night? Which I, yeah. I, I believe you answered. Um, yeah, I think what, what I always say is about from two to four in the morning is the witching hour or any time after midnight really is witching hour for Bigfoot. Um, that's when you're going to get the most activity or vocals, in my opinion, um, from where I've researched. Okay, so um, I would like to discuss a recording that you got recently that's one of my new favorites, um, your chimp recordings. And I have to tell you, which I've already told you, but I'm going to tell you and everybody else, I listened to it when you sent it to me and then listened to it a few more times after that. And then today, you know, I've listened through my earbuds, I've listened through my Sony headphones, and then today I was like, ooh, I was in the pickup line at my son's school and I was like, I'm going to listen through my car stereo because I have really great. I mean, I love listening to Bigfoot um, audio on my car stereo. My kids love it too. So I decided I'm going to listen to the chimp uh, recording and analysis on my car stereo in the school pickup line. And about the third revision that you did over the the chimp part where you're leading up to where the chimps are screaming and whooping or hooting as you call it um i realized that all these people are staring at me even <laughs> though i have the windows up they're staring at me because it probably sounds either extremely inappropriate or like i'm watching a slasher film i'm not sure but I realized maybe the school pickup line is not the best place to listen to Bigfoot audio or at least chimpanzees screaming at each other. Uh, people looked very concerned. And um, but I, I mean, I have to say I watched it. I think I watched it twice through the pickup line. Those poor people. I'm going to have CPS <laughs> call on me. But um, the person in front of me did have a Bigfoot sticker on their car. So I think they probably understood. But um I was watching it just, you know, to make sure I didn't miss anything for the show. But I think it has to be one of my favorites that you've done, the the analysis, just because the visual um, aspect paired with the audio. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one who does this, <laughs> like listens to Bigfoot noises at inappropriate times. Um, so when I first listened to it, I went into it thinking, so whenever somebody down here is like, oh, we got chimps in the woods, I immediately think owls, right? Because owls make the Bart chimps. Owl. I've, I've had them do it to me. 
Uh, the first time it ever happened, I was standing alone on a riverbank fishing. Everybody else had gone back to the car. And all of a sudden, the woods light up behind me. Just, I, honest to God, I thought monkeys were about to come out the woods and eat my face. I was terrified. Um, I get back to the car and my husband's like, those are owls. And I was like, there's no way. And he's like, yeah, no, they're owls. And so when we got signal, he played it for me. And I was like, oh, okay. So going in to listen to your recording, I was like, surely they would know that those are owls, right? And then I listened to it. Those are not owls. No, they're no. not. No. <laughs> um, it's not chimpanzees either. I just... No, <laughs> no, the... but that's a great comparison. The way that you compared the, the lead up to the scream and the way you broke it down. You guys can check out that video right there on his youtube channel yeah that that's very very rarely oh i gotta plug my computer in. hold on yeah please do that earlier very... when your, earlier when your cat was sounding off i thought you were playing the chimp noises on accident <laughs> no yeah that was just a stupid cat <laughs> <laughs> very rarely do i get a, a vocal where I cannot think of one single known animal in this area to vet it against. Um, and yeah, as soon as you hear that, it's like, that sounds like chimpanzees. Yeah. Now, one It sounds the, primate. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely primate. If you really look at it, it, it's not exactly the same, but right. the scream, the screams are almost identical. The screams mm -hmm. are pretty the chimpanzees do uh, a hoot. They make a hoot hoo sound, whereas our mm -hmm. target subjects do whoops. And that's everyone's right. Target. If you have heard it, it's definitely a whoop sound. So mm -hmm. I did kind of a comparison to the hoots, the chimpanzee hoot and the chimpanzee whoop. They're different, but they're also which I don't want to get into that. Anyways, but <laughs> the buildup, like I talk about it in the, the way the whole structure of all the vocals together, we're talking about a 30 second clip where you have something building up into these screams mm -hmm. is extremely similar to what chimpanzees do when right. they're excited. And the clips I used, we kind of talked about it. I, I talked about mm -hmm. it in clip the clips i used were chimps that were getting excited over food where they were recognizing right. their keepers were bringing them food and they they knew what was coming so they were getting excited and that kind of build up to a scream is very similar to what i recorded in this area um obviously not what i recorded but it, we can hypothesize that whatever was there at 10:08 p.m got really excited. They either saw someone they hadn't seen in a while, or maybe there was a food thing going on. Uh, but it's, it's primate. It's, I, you know, people don't have, to, that's my opinion and people can disagree with me all they want, but that's my opinion. It's definitely primate and there, it's not chimpanzees. There's no freaking chimpanzees up here. Sorry. Right. No. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people say that to me over the years. Um, well, how do you know it's not just a monkey standing on a barrel in the woods? And I'm like, that's that's more plausible than Bigfoot. What? Um, <laughs> but, you know, I the, so the way you broke it down in the video, you broke it down into. Um, hold on, you're like you're breaking up. 
hold on just one second hold on let's see see if i can fix it the joys of streaming live it's like after you plugged your laptop in you lost signal hold up your arm and then stand on one leg <laughs> um so the way you broke it down was um, sometimes the chimps, like when they get excited about they're about to mate, and then sometimes it's food. And you comp you actually did look at both vocals and you went with food. You think that these are uh, getting excited about food. And then you also broke it down into male and female. The males do this and then the females do this noise. And you compared that to what you caught up there and it was the same. Not the same. Yeah. It was not the same, but it it tracked along the same pattern. Yeah, in the uh, in the actual chimpanzee recording, you had a female doing the coots, and she steadily getting higher and higher and higher. And underneath her, there was a male chimpanzee doing kind of a pan. They call it a pant hoot where he's, mm -hmm. it's much deeper and it's under hers. And she escalates into a scream in one of the clips I used and he stays at that low, he just does it more often. Well, in the clip that I recorded, you have these whoops that are they're escalating. They, there's like a partial scream and then you have something come in when the scream goes off, much lower and hurts very deep. I mean, it, it's yeah. really deep. It's like, it's, yeah. it's something much bigger than the screamer in it. And I can hypothesize it was probably a male, whatever it was. So right. there's actually another vocal between, between the first, it's like a partial scream before the escalated scream. There's a mm -hmm. couple different yells in there so there's actually three individuals in that recording um like i told you before i said i think it's daddy coming home with a bucket of kfc in the form of a deer and everybody's getting excited and dad's like one at a time and i mean it just if you look at the if you look at the visuals and you listen to it it just fits that scenario i'm just saying i just solved your riddle for you you are welcome that's what i'm here for um so Jamie King wanted to know, do you pair pheromones with the recording devices or have you ever had any equipment destroyed? Actually, I, the Sasquatch pheromone chips, um, we've used and I've used and we've had some interesting results. Uh, the one time I did it in X1, we came back and my recorder was pulled out of the stump. And just laying on the ground it wasn't chewed on uh, i would expect a bear to destroy because i've had bears destroy my game cameras um, but it was just in the way i set my recorder up i kind of build a little lean to over and it's actually stuck in the stump and mm -hmm. just mics are sticking out something had to physically reach in this lean to i have it in and pull it out and then just drop it on the ground and that was of course the the record had died whenever it got pulled out of stuff, so I didn't record it. That would have been great. great. But um, yeah, they, we've, I've been on, me and Shane have gone out on several occasions and had some interesting things happen when we placed a pheromone chip. We actually, a couple years ago, we went up to Shell Rock and uh, his, where he had his original experience, and we had a pheromone, I placed a pheromone chip out there and we did get some. Uh, 
interesting movement around my recorders actually found some can't say they're tracks but there was definitely something heavy moving around the recorders and we did get some get a couple knocks and some whistles so yes i've used the pheromone chips and i probably will use them again because it mm -hmm. if anything it it creates a curiosity or a confusion that might cause uh might cause them to react and make some noise uh, as far knows as they are curious yeah if, as far as equipment destroyed i've never had a recorder destroyed um the only thing that i've ever had wrecked were uh game cameras and well, I know you hide your long-term audio really well. Um, I, I watched the, the video with the toupee, the moss toupee, and it made me laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, the long I don't really hide the TAS cams. Like I said, when a bus comes out, it's more just so people don't see them. Um, I'm more worried mm -hmm. about a human being seeing myself than anything. Uh, right. Because they're going to be out there a long time. And uh, I don't want, there's more, a lot more money into them. I don't want them stolen. So I hide those right. pretty good. But interestingly enough, I believe our target subjects still key in on to where they're at because inevitably I get a power knock right by my order. I get a knocker on at my recorder. Nah. That's kind of validation though. Like it's like they're saying, good job, but we still know you're here. <laughs> okay. Uh, Shane had a question. Mr. Corson. Is Chris finding any patterns or similarities with his audio recording project? Shane, this isn't your show. I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um both in the nest area, uh, and this other area, with Nathaniel, we are finding there's definitely a pattern, whether it's an eight to 15 day pattern between possible suspect noises. Uh, and let's see, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to think what he wants me to say. No, <laughs> um, I've recorded, and we've recorded similar vocals in all the areas. That's what excites me is when we get a vocalization, I'm getting a vocalization like the whistles next one. I record, um, a lot of whistles in that area, not a lot of vocalizations, but I recorded a whistle almost identical to it up in the nest area. So when stuff like that happens, I get really excited. Recently, a friend of ours who's in Utah sent um, a vocalization he just recently recorded and it is almost identical to a vocalization we recorded in the next area so when we're getting similar vocals from different areas you know that gets exciting because when we can say they're absolutely unknown they're not a coyote they're not an owl we don't know what these are mm -hmm. but obviously something maybe species specific is going on that's i'm seeing stuff like that in southwest Washington and in the nest area. And definitely there's a pattern between the seasons. Um, springtime, that's a noisy time. Uh, and fall, that's a noisy time. Not so much in the summer, I still get up in the summer. But definitely 
There's a lot of stuff going on, and that's probably my favorite time of year to record is that time period between lunch and uh, early June. That's it's just so different where you guys are versus where we are, you know, um, because for us, whenever the frogs and the cicadas start getting loud, you, you can't like, there's just no point. Um, it's miserable. And so I've, you know, I've talked to, um, Shane and Derek about it and it's just, it's so different. Like here from about October to april maybe may that's our research season anytime in between you you just it's it's miserable to research or record i mean from just down here where i am um so i always well, think it's fascinating you guys going out there in the middle of the summer and i'm just like <laughs> you, sh you should still record because you if there's you may not hear it but if there's a suspect vocalization there you'll see it on sonic visualizer Oh, for sure. Just, I just saying, I've I've gotten it's stuff about where, seven thousand degrees to to go out there and set that recorder up. Though, so I mean, um, I but I mean, I do. We do have people that have um, audio drops in the same areas during those times, and uh, you know, I'll leave it to them. But um, for me, it's it's too dang hot. I ain't gonna lie. We're it's miserable. We're, we're extremely blessed up here. I mean. We are. You guys are. <laughs> our our weather, even though we're having an extreme heat wave up here, it's nothing like around some areas around the rest of the country. I mean, we can still go out and function. Yeah, you, yeah. It's just a different climate, um, different uh, noisy, noisy insect life here. You can't hear yourself think. Today, I was literally talking to someone. I was standing by my front porch talking to them at my mailbox and they couldn't hear me over the cicadas. And I mean, standing face to face, they could not hear me. I had to like, you know, go inside my garage. Um, it's just, you can't hear yourself think this time of year. Um, Brian's life wanted to know, do you think they're watching you try to hide the recorder so they know right where they are? Good question. Not always, but I'm pretty positive in X1 because I, I, Basically, 2015 up to 2018, I was in X1 every weekend. And, um, yeah, there were times where I was being watched. I actually, on one occasion, coming out with a friend, um, we had rocks thrown at us. So, yeah, in 2015, I felt they were aware that I was putting her in. I always went in the same way and always left the same way. I was very, I have no doubt that they were aware of what I was doing. And I have no doubt that if they were in the area, because they weren't there all the time, if they were there, they were watching for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. I think just about any time, like for us, we subscribe to the sentinel rule. Usually when we go in the woods, we hear a knock. And when we exit, we hear a knock. And we believe that there's a sentinel watching us and they let everybody else know like, okay, there's humans here and then let them know when we leave. Um, we've just had it happen too many times for that not to be. Oh, you know. absolutely. Yeah. I, okay. We had... um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to tell a story when, my son, James, was 15, we were going to X1, and it was very stormy, 
day, very windy. You can, it was so windy. You had to almost yell at each other to talk. And I almost nixed the idea, but I, I wanted to check a game camera. And I wanted to put audio out because I knew the storm was going to pass and the trees were swaying. It was, it was kind of dangerous. It was kind of, it was really creepy. Well, Jameson in the past at 15, he's either a hundred yards ahead of me, a hundred yards behind me. I mean, he's, well, this particular day, he was running into me. He was walking so close to me. And as we were coming down the trail that breaks off a logging road, he goes, Dad, I feel kind of sketchy about this. And I kind of laughed at him. I was like, it's just because of the weather. Because it was overcast. And we got down. We walked through the marsh. And because where I record, there's marsh and then there's some timber. So we walked through the marsh. And right at the of the marsh, this cow elk jumped up and we almost stepped on her. She was like 10 feet from us. She jumped up and ran straight downhill from us. And I looked at James and said, nothing goes over here. He goes, what do you mean? I go, the wind is blowing in our face. She didn't smell us. She didn't hear us coming because it was so windy. We That's mm -hmm. why we stepped on her. And he's like, oh, that's great. Well, my recording stuff was, you know, about 50 feet from where this happened. We walk over to my recording stuff and I'm setting up my recorder and it's two minutes and 30 seconds after that elk jumps. right where that elk had run another there's another marsh down below right where she had run cow and it wasn't it was power and Jimmy, he turned around I luckily I turned at the same time he did because he went to run and I grabbed him by the hoodie because he didn't run I think stop just hold on I get out of here they're here and i'm like yeah just calm down and i get my reset up and it's almost two minutes after that first one up it whatever it was came up close to us the first one was probably 50 yards the next one was about 30 yards salmonberry it's just like the nest area except instead of huckleberry it's salmonberry you can't see 10 20 feet in front of you so something came up 30 yards from us to our south east wow again and then there was a knock above us and he, my kid is practically peeing his pants and i actually jerked my pistol at that point and I, we're leaving and we walked out and i made him walk out so yeah that was i don't know why i told that story it's a fun story though but yeah, they, they no did. it's i think you had that excellent dad reflexes grabbing his hoodie like that you know like you already preemptively like you knew what was about to happen just like i think that's awesome um that it was enough to make you pull your gun is pretty intense oh yeah i was a little unnerved because it was me it was aggressive they didn't know we were there because i guarantee usually in x1 i have a distinct my car has a distinctive sound and i'm sure they've gotten to know that when i park because I'm only where I'm recording, I'm maybe a mile away from where I park. And this particular day, they didn't hear us coming. They didn't smell us coming, just like that elk didn't. And they weren't aware we were there until that elk, we spooked that elk. And I think it kind of pissed them off. So, Yeah. <laughs> You're messing with their dinner. I get that same way when people try to mess with my dinner. I really do. I get angry, throw rocks, bang sticks. Um, <laughs> Tate wants to know, Chris, when are the most active times of year for Sasquatch activity? I'm going to add in your area. 
in my area, like I said before, uh, springtime, you know, that, that uh, late, actually late March, late March in X1 through early June is when I've got majority of my suspect audio. And then once again, uh, late August into October is when I've got the other, spring, but a good amount. Um, those are two two of my favorite times of year to record. You got a lot of stuff, especially because you got you got cow elk calving, you got does fawning. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for an opportunist to eat, and I I think their diet is very similar to the black bear. So, um, yeah. Well, usually one of my favorite questions to ask, which I'm pretty sure I know the answer for you, is what is a piece of equipment that you cannot go out without? Um, it's funny. A friend of ours, Eli Watson, he had a show. He he was up here oh last month. And uh, last week he sent me some audio that they recorded. They'd gone out with Shane up to Shell Rock. And um, he recorded this distant vocal. And they'd heard it it several times then decided to go get the recorder and turn the recorder on and it was an owl it was a distant owl but i, I scolded him a little bit i'm like the minute you get out of your car get your recorder going and bring extra batteries because you never know when something's going to happen you know don't wait till you hear it because a lot of times it's not going to happen again so whenever i go in the field you can ask anybody that goes out with me i have a a band that I put on my hat and I stick a recorder right back here and yeah. it's on the minute I'm out of my vehicle. It's on. Cause I've had, I've had times where stuff has happened and I didn't get it recorded. Not often now, but when I first started a number of times where I, I was like, why didn't I have my recorder going? So, yeah. That's my biggest thing. Audio recorder. So audio recorder and whenever snafus happen that maybe the batteries died or it didn't record. I've been told that there's a face that you make. Yeah, I think everybody's seen it by now. It's been, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I posted it too, but it, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that was, uh, that was last March. I'd left a, a long-term unit up in the nest area and me, Todd Hale, Rebecca, and Shane had gone in and the, the time record function had stopped. So it basically sat there for a minute doing nothing. And I might have thrown a little bit of a fit, which I got extreme pleasure out of. And as I looked up at him, he snapped that picture. <laughs> which then um, everybody has made into a meme, including myself. So uh, if you want to see what it looks like whenever an audio guru uh, does not get the audio, just go check my page and you'll see that meme. Um, let me let me see if there's any last questions. Tate, pretty thankful you don't come into my chat very often because I can't focus right now. Eli Watson's a great guy. He's awesome. Um, Tate was being a punk. Um... All right, I'm going to give everybody just a few more minutes. I have one final question in the meantime. Have you ever researched with Chris Spencer? 
No, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I will say this: I have researched with Todd Hale, and it's like researching with a toddler. I got to review all his audio. I got to review the guy's audio. And when he does gracious his presence, I got to put a filter on the audio I review because he makes what I call Todd Squatch noises. There's an array of nose blowing, throat clearing that goes on that are Todd Squatches. That's all I have to say about that. Oh my God. I could see that too. Oh my gosh. Todd, dude, he gave it back That's like awesome. tenfold. You know, Todd is really great. Um, Todd's one of my best. I talk to him every day. So. Yeah, no, Todd's a great guy. I met him. I had the pleasure of meeting him at Medellin Falls. And um, I was in the video, the Have You Ever Researched with Chris Spencer video. So. Okay, um, we I, have a couple more questions, and then go ahead. Though. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, um, no, that video. Yeah. That video was hilarious. Adam Davies. At yeah, the I end. told him to post it. He has a, he's not posted. I told him to post it. I, I laughed my butt off. So. He has to post it. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Okay. Um, all right. Jason Bowman wants to know, what do you think is the reason that they can seemingly avoid capture capture of themselves and capture on camera well first off i don't think there's a lot of them second of all we're obviously dealing with a primate on an intelligence level way higher than uh, any known creative. and uh yeah it's yeah I, I, I know shane's discussed the camera thing me and him talk about it all the time i flat out our i think they see the cameras and the, uh, the odds of getting one on camera is like everyone says, I think Todd Nees came up with, put a needle in a haystack and then have that needle move around. Um, yeah. Just, there's not a lot of them. That's that's my opinion. I I mean, I, I've had so many things happen in camera, I can't say what it was. I, I really think they actually see the camera before it's triggered. Because you got to remember, you got a sensor that's, I don't care how good your camera says that sensor is. Those animals see those cameras mm -hmm. before your trigger goes off a lot of times. Um, and, yeah. you know, there's some camera pictures out there that are, that are interesting, but most people don't post them. So. Right. Well, I can see why the community is kind of brutal when that happens. Um, okay. Hold on. There was another one. Um, Andrea or Andrea wants to know, Chris, have you ever heard them speak words? That's a good no. question. Um, okay. I've see, I, I've recorded some interesting stuff. Uh, like the recording that uh, Kip brought up that Kirk Brandenburg recorded. It's almost sing songy. It's like, it's really weird. And it sounds, it sounds more human than anything. Um, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound human either. It's just a crazy, I've, I've heard some of that. I've heard David Ellis has recorded some really weird vocalizations that sound almost like speech, but I don't know that they're actually talking. Yeah. Um, the singing, it sounded like Tibetan monks, but not 
it was crazy. It was probably one of the craziest, um, creepiest ones that I've heard. Um, Todd Hale, speak the devil. He said, uh, ask Chris about filming with Seth. Oh, it was awesome. Um, yeah, we spent some time with uh, Small Town Monsters this last spring up in the Nest area. And, and what a great group of people. I mean, mm -hmm. they just followed us around and let us do what we do. Um, and it was just really, really fun group of people. Uh, Eli camped with us. And uh, oh, Alex uh, camped with us. Um, and we had a good time. It was a great time. It was, just, it was actually, it was like we were just going out um, doing what we usually do, have fun. We had just a bunch of extra people with us and we had a good time. Yeah, Seth, uh, Seth's a great guy. I've had him on the show and I was, I was super nervous to have him on the show. Like I was very intimidated and I thought he was going to show up and be all, I don't know. I don't know what I thought, but he shows up and he's got like a backwards hat on. He's like wearing ear pod or AirPods and he's just like, hanging out with his laptop he's like you know just does the interview like he he's a very yeah. very cool down-to-earth guy <laughs> i totally choked the whole time i was like because i'm i'm not a tv guy i i'm like i just do what i do and uh i put my little youtube videos together just for other people who do the same thing i do you know but i was i was really nervous when they were filming me and when i there was a seth went with me to uh, one of my long-term units at night and was talking to me. And I was, you could tell I'm nervous. I said, I'm maybe more on actually, <laughs> but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but after, you know, after a while, you know, it's like, oh, these guys are actually really cool. Everyone was really nice, but you get, you know, you're being filmed, you know, eventually other people are going to look at it. You start kind of freaking out. And, no, I, I would do the same thing. Um, I, I think it makes you real. Like, I mean, you're not going to get on there and just, you know, be Cliff Brackman and just bah, like, just, you know, turn it on and go. I think, you know, some of us are not camera ready all the time and don't just have that spiel ready to go. I don't. Um, clearly you can see in the, have you ever researched with Chris Spencer video? I was like, no, <laughs> it was very, uh, caught me off guard. Okay. Um, even though he told me what to say, I still was caught off guard. It's okay. Okay. So, um, if there are no more questions, I have one left for me. And if you could research with anybody past or present, who would it be and why? Oh, I've never thought about that. Uh, if I could research with anyone past or present. Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. You put me on the spot. Um, and it can be more than one I would have loved to have gone out in the field with Dr. Bendernagel. Okay. Uh, really cool guy. I, I was blessed with being able to talk to him on uh, several occasions. Um, that would I would have loved to go on camping with Dr. Bennerdale, for sure. Okay. See, you had an answer. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for coming on tonight, Chris. You've been great. Um, I do find it ironic that the audio god had audio issues, but you know, that's just how it goes. Um, <laughs> the live stream. 
But thank you so much for coming on. You guys can follow Chris and all of the videos and analysis that he does at Chris Spencer. Is it Tuttle? Tuttle? Tootle? Tootle River Valley Skookum. I had I had a like one in three shot there. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't you, look like it sounds. So. It doesn't? No. And I'm from the land of uh, really messed up words down here in the south. So... Okay, you guys can follow his field research and audio work there. And also you can follow the Olympic Project and everything that they're doing at olympicproject.com. Um, thank you so much for coming on tonight, Chris. You've been great. And thank you for answering all of our questions. And uh, I, yeah, we are going to call it a night. All right. Cool. Okay, thank you, everybody. Have a great night and stay safe, be kind, and I'll see y'all next time. Fear. 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 We've all experienced it. Everyone knows what it's like to be afraid. That sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach to feel that icy chill run up your spine. Whether it be a ghostly apparition standing at the foot of your bed, or the news of a serial killer prowling the streets of your town, everyone is afraid of something. The fact is, there are terrifying things on this planet, some of them natural, while others remain unexplained in the things of folklore. A lot of us find that the things that scare us the most are also the most fascinating. They cause us not only to draw back in fear, but at the same time draw us in with an unwavering curiosity. From the paranormal and unexplained, to true crime and the dangers of our very own planet, you can find all the latest episodes, links to social media, and more on planetfearpodcast.com. And be sure to subscribe to Planet Fear on your favorite podcast platform as we discuss all the things humans fear the most on planet fear